Would you please join me in prayer? It's a marvelous day to be together, Lord Jesus, to celebrate songs of faith and to think for a few moments to meditate and reflect on your word from Mark chapter 4 and what the kingdom of God is like, like a guy who goes and scatters seeds. We pray that, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I worked on my body and my lifestyle over the last eight weeks, I realized one of my biggest problems was my calendar and my schedule. And I was more a slave to my calendar and schedule than making it my slave and I being the master of my, of my time. And that led sometimes to sermons being done Saturday mornings and sending emails off with slides to my PowerPoint guys. And they'd say, dude, we just can't get it ready on Saturday afternoon. You got to do better. And I said, well, if you had the responsibility I had, you know, it's all a bunch of weak sauce, as a seventh grader may say. But so I went after that a little bit And, 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 and everything I looked at. Every coaching website, every executive website, every senior pastor website said this. Use your best energy and your best thinking to write your sermon. Huh. Sinner. So I spend Mondays writing my sermon. 90%. My best energy. Sunday mornings, the best. Monday mornings, writing that message. Get her done. I haven't left the office till it's almost all done. Sermon Monday, back to review on Wednesday, all the slides and beautiful stuff. I can get that, get that done. But sometimes from Monday to Sunday, things change. And sometimes that makes a big difference in how I see the week and the word and, 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 and what needs to happen from the pulpit, what, what you may want to or what you may need to hear. It makes a difference in what I'm thinking and what's on my soul. And so this morning, I completely rewrote my sermon from somewhere between 5.45 to 7.30. It was quiet in my office this morning. And having already done a large amount of work on Mark chapter 4, God allowed me to live a little bit in the community of our congregation, to celebrate and think about the the very best things of life with you. And and that's the season that we're in. Graduations and birthdays and anniversaries and all of these things, and and our prayers are are filled with them. It's a joy to have somebody tap me on the shoulder and say, you know, they're married 63 years, not just 60 smoke 63 years that's awesome up there isn't it ken and gene 63 years but it's that kind of season in our church it's that kind of season for many of us and so i was able to go yesterday morning to an 80th birthday party and celebrate with a family of an ebullient father as he celebrated life with his dear children and grandchildren and filled with laughter and filled with joy. I was able to go to a graduation yesterday afternoon of just a beautiful young lady, a, a, a young lady who went through St. John's and from Orange Lutheran High School got the Spirit of Christ Award, which in my view is the greatest award in the history of that school. Because it means that individual has a heart for God and a heart for service. 
And then I had dinner two times with my family. One was just kind of a mellow get-together, and the other one was a thrown-together thing where Sarah finally has a big-girl-day job and actually comes off my benefit package, so I thought it would be... It was great to buy that lunch, that went, a bread dinner, that went pretty well. I'm still ahead probably a couple grand on that deal, so I feel pretty good on it. But all that thinking started Monday on Mark chapter 4 as I worked on that text and thought about what I would preach to you this morning and what it would matter, right? What, what, what it would matter, what, what the impact would be, what, what you would leave with. Not just a a nice little lesson or a rural thing of how American people in Orange County don't get rural America. Let me tell you a story about rural America. And then then it's my sin to be funny instead of deep, which is what I do. I play that off by being humorous and joking and I miss going deeper sometimes. And I certainly didn't want to do that on Father's Day today. To leave you with a smile on your face, but nothing for your soul. So Mark chapter 4, the gospel reading today that Glenn Weingarth read so beautifully. Jesus speaks to how the kingdom of God works, how things roll out in our lives, how things grow. He likens it to a man who goes out and scatters seed. Seed that simply goes on the ground. He doesn't know how it grows, but it does. The words of the text are beautiful where it says it kind of grows automatically. And that it does. The seed sprouts, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel, Jesus says. You don't know how it works, but it works. And that's how the kingdom of God is. And Jesus speaks again. It's like a a little bitty mustard seed. And eventually, over the course of a lifetime, the kingdom takes over so much of a life. It grows that it takes on a life of its own and it can drive and provide inspiration for and vitality for other lives. The parable is that a mustard seed can sprout its own ecosystem and birds and critters and all sorts of stuff can be shaded and fed and protected by that tree that comes out of that little bitty seed. Kingdom inside of you and me That's what Jesus is speaking of. The kingdom of God is like unto seed that is scattered in the word of God and goes into the hearts of God's faithful people. And over the course of a lifetime, it's it's, it's how we see the world. It's how we make decisions. It's our value system. It's how we see what's important in life. And it's how we behold and regard one another with grace rather than judgment. How we live together in families. How we connect in relationships that are friendly sometimes and not so friendly at others. Jesus is simply saying to us, that's how the kingdom works. And what a great thing to meditate on for Father's Day. What a great thing to think about. Many of us had fathers who were a very strong part of our lives. And we remember those things, at least I do. I remember those moments where my dad had very harsh words for me. He was raised in a very physical household, and I wasn't. But I was raised and it got a little loud. And my dad would say things that I think he would regret, and more than likely to this day, he would say, I don't know why I said that. But some of those times, those words had to be spoken because... I was a hard-headed, 
high school person who thought he knew everything. And dad scattered the seed sometimes by drilling it into his oldest son's skull because he was so hard-headed. My father was a gracious man. He was kind. He was kinder than I am, honestly. And while my dad didn't really like conflict, I kind of enjoy it. I kind of think if you don't have conflict once in a while, you're not doing your job. And I get that from my mom. That's part of that. <laughs> I remember specifically the winter of 1983 taking a trip with my father. And I'd never really done that before. We never had any money. But I was blowing it in school at Cal State Fullerton. And my dad said, uh, how'd you like to go to a different school? And I said, okay. So as you know, Cal State Fullerton and the UC schools tend to have larger breaks over the winter for an intercession. And I went for five days with my father to Minnesota in the dark of winter to see if we liked Concordia College in St. Paul. It was freezing and cold and dark and gray, but I was with my dad. I'd never just been with him someplace else. We visited with the football coach, and we visited with the president of the school, and we visited with teachers and professors, some whom my mother had had when she went to school there. I remember that being cold outside and warm in the car. We visited, and we hung out, and we talked together. And ultimately, my father directed a turning point in my life for it was at that school that I met my wife. It was at that school where I began to study for the ministry. It was at that school where I realized playing football was not such a big deal. It, it, was, it was then that I began to develop as a person and a Christian through the mentors and professors that God had put around me. I began to study the scriptures with more intent. And, and that's how the kingdom works. Sometimes dads sow the seeds and scatter the seeds in the lives of their children. They know what needs to happen, and so they guide family life towards what needs to happen. And, and fathers say things that stick in your heart. You might be 90 years old today, and you say, I still remember what my old man said that day when we were working on that Model A. And the crescent wrench slipped off the nut, and he raked his fingers across the starter. Fathers direct their families and the lives of their families toward good and godly deeds. They sow those seeds and scatter those seeds day by day. Fathers every once in a while falling down in front of their families and creating a chaotic moment or a chaotic season, but always being ready to get up and get back after it because they're the dad. They're the one that sets the tone and the culture of the family. This last week, I get to think about my father passing away 32 years ago last week. And the seeds that he sowed in my soul that are growing from a mustard seed into a mustard tree. And it's weird, fellas, isn't it, to look back? I look like my dad. I have his fingers. I have his face. I have his love for good food. I sound like him. I have some of the same mannerisms as him. I have some of the same values and the same faith that my father had. And I'm reminded that the seeds that my dad sowed in my life took root, the stalk went up, and good fruit is grown. 
That's of the very best things of family and life. And that's how the kingdom works. Yesterday, my wife and I were honored to be a part of an 80th birthday party for a member of our congregation. And we walked up to the restaurant and, and, and we hung out and it was loud. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's the soccer game, the, the World Cup. There must be something good going on here. And I walked in and this room was full of people laughing and having a good time. And they came to you with a, a tray and she had red wine and white wine on it. And she said, have as much as you want. And I said, where were you nine weeks ago? From the moment we walked into the restaurant, it was laughing and joking and messing around. Some of you were there and we got to hang out. And if you're with me, every time I laugh this morning, my stomach hurts because we laugh so hard. The warmth of the family, the grace of the Father, him with a, a mustache on his lip, with the same smile with a mustache off his lip. The smile as a young man that was beautiful, now as an 80-year-old man, the same smile filled with grace and love. The highlight of the luncheon was not just the food, which was fantastic, but the highlight of the luncheon was more the slideshow that the gentleman showed that highlighted the 80 years of his life. The motorcycle rides in the desert with his family, picture after picture of children and grandchildren, of cruises and vacations, of work and friends, of graduations and weddings. When he started his talk and he took the microphone, his children elbowed one another. We were sitting right behind their table. <laughs> and the son-in-law started a timer saying, I wonder how long he'll go. <laughs> the seed the father had scattered in the life of his children and the life of his friends was that of joy. And joy isn't something that happens in a moment or a season of life. Joy is the marvelous fruit of the Spirit where the roots go down, the stalk grows up, the leaves, the plants, the fruit. Joy is a way of life. And joy grows in family systems through sorrowful moments of loss and grief where families come together and speak to one another in love and grace and times where they raise their hands in the air and they say, thanks be to God. And that's how the kingdom of God works. That's what our Lord does. Jesus does a similar thing. He sows the seeds of love into our hearts and bids us follow him for a lifetime. Not just follow him for a day or a season, but follow me day by day in your life. And when we are close to him, we find that strength. We find that power that comes from God's love. Somehow the seeds are rooted and the plant grows and life finds a sense of meaning and understanding and maturity. And the people that we were when the seed was planted were different people that grow through the sorrows and joys of life. And the seeds of our Lord's grace and His love run deep inside of us and we become people of God's forgiveness one to another because God forgave us in Christ. We, come, we become people of gratitude because God has taken a, a lifetime to build his kingdom in us. And so we have lots of blessings to look back and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And in those times of super weakness and pain and challenge, 
times of death and grief, times when our hearts are broken and we can't put them back together because we lost a loved one. We point our finger at God and we say, God, if you really love. And it's only when those roots are deep in the soil of God's love, when the the roots have gone down, that we find comfort and consolation in what God has done. Thinking not so much about ourselves, but that the love that God had for the person who we lost and God's ability to move history to bring things back together for us and for others. God, our Heavenly Father, has a heart for those who've been lost in their lives. The Father who waits at the window for His Son to come back is Luke's picture. And when we come back, our Heavenly Father points us back to our roots, for there's strength in our roots, there's strength in our families, their strength from our moms and our dads. And when those sudden changes of life hit and we think we're being wasted and, and, and our lives are useless, it's then that God offers strength for that moment because over the course of a lifetime, He's been close to us and He delivers what we need. Comfort in our grief, foundness in our lostness, healing in our sickness, and a Father who wipes away all the tears from our eyes and points us to the hope of the future. And that's how the kingdom of God works. Parenting, fathering a 20-year-old, 20-year-old children is a whole different thing. And I didn't get to watch my dad do that. I was 21 when my father died, just turned. So maybe 16 months I got to watch how my dad did that. And for those 16 months, he was pretty sick. So I never really had a a paternal model for that, except for all the fine men at St. John's who loved and have come around me. Raising kids who are adults is crazy, and parenting them is nuts, because they're even smarter than you sometimes. And they have their autonomy and their way of thinking. And they break away from some of the things that we scattered in their lives. And they test their own values and they do their own thing. And that's okay because that's the way we raised them. We want them to be strong and independent. But the fathering still goes on. Less directed and pushed and drilled down as I did with my children. But more pulled out of me and my wife by our children. My son will text me and say, Dad, what do you think about this? Dad, work politics are crazy. What would you do? Dad, how does this work? Or my favorite, Dad, can we go down to the fried chicken place? I just need to talk to you. And what my son is saying in those moments is, Dad, I need to see your kind eyes. Dad, I need some unconditional love because the world sure ain't that way. And if I could just spend a few moments with you, we'd be close. And I know I'll be okay. And I can tell those of you who love your dad 
It's those moments that make all the difference in the world. Because it's a visible sign that the roots are going down in the lives of our children and that God is growing something grand in them. And that all of the dollars and that all of the effort and that all of the driving and all the fast food and all of the stuff. It's all been worth it. For the sacrifices have led to children that are a blessing to the world. And that's the way the kingdom Yesterday, after we spent some time with the family for the birthday, we went to a graduation party. And I was able to watch a dad support his 40-something-year-old daughter. He opened his home. He made sure the yard was perfect. Knowing what that looks like myself, his flowers, everything was wonderful. He spent lots of time making sure his home, his kitchen, all those things were clean. And when he opened his doors at 3 o'clock yesterday, a horde of seniors from Lutheran High went in and hung out at, at, at Grandpa's house. And I watched a dad support his daughter and sacrifice for her at 70-something years old for his 40-something-year-old daughter so that his 18-year-old granddaughter could have a graduation party that was second to none. There's a deep sense of gratitude in his heart for what he had provided for his granddaughter and his daughter. He's a gracious host and a kind man who stood in the background and yet engaged with the guests in a marvelous way. And I got to sit with high school kids and college kids and graduates from St. John's. Got to celebrate the awards and the joy of sitting with the family as they were having one of the best moments they would ever have in their life. And I reflected on that a little bit this morning as I was finishing up this message, thinking that's how the kingdom of God works. I pray that as you reflect on your family this morning and maybe today and in the days ahead, that perhaps you were raised in a family or had a dad that led a family that loved and cared for you. And I hope you have a powerful, deep-seated sense of gratitude for the seeds of the kingdom of God that your father scattered in your life and the roots that have grown in your own personal soul. And I hope that you're grateful and gracious when you remember your father and your mother and your family. I pray that as you reflect on the family that perhaps you are raising, that perhaps you're sitting with in church here this morning, that you remember each common, each experience each moment is an opportunity to sow seeds of the kingdom in the life of your family. And that we scatter liberally unconditional love, grace, and kindness, and always model while walking the narrow path to Jesus, affirming steps toward the good and gently correcting, shaping, and pruning the little mustard tree. And I pray that as you reflect a bit on the future, that God would give you profound confidence in the reality that little seeds, as small as a mustard seed, 
grow into lives that are big and strong and impactful, and that you find joy in the littlest pieces of your life. Because the cumulative effect of following Jesus over a long period of time leads to a life that can support other lives and provide that family ecosystem as a mustard tree does for the birds of the air and the critters of the ground. Sometimes it's okay to write your sermons on Monday, and sometimes it's okay to roll out of bed and finish it up on Sunday morning. As long as the seeds are scattered and the roots go down, the kingdom of God, that's the way it works. Amen.